You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It is a getaway day for yours truly. My final show before a nice little vacay. And I'm excited to get into all the stuff that we've got to hit before I leave with none other than Marcel Louis-Jacques. He's in for Fitz tonight. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain with you as always. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, we are going to get to the WNBA playoffs because, as you all know, my defending champion, Chicago Sky, kick off their return the ring to Chi-Town campaign tonight against the Liberty. And we want to get into all those first-round matchups and the expectations. Maybe I'll make some picks a little bit later as well. But, of course, as we're all prepping for the WNBA playoffs, Marcel, the NBA couldn't let them have all the shine. They had to muscle their way in with a little schedule drop. And LeBron James had to secure the bag, the biggest bag of all time. Two years, $97.1 million extension, including a third-year player option. Just real quick, what is the number that you would have to hear for <laughs> LeBron James to be paid where you'd be like, it's too much? Oof. I mean, first of all, I got a lot of – I'm sure his numbers have a lot of other professional athletes saying, man, I should have played basketball. But I can you would can you, you play like a, LeBron? Can you put a lot a lot of uh, a lot of Uncle Rico's out there, yeah, man? If only right. I was six foot seven, <laughs> just a couple inches taller. If only I could dunk. Oh wow! I mean, like, what would be what would be a ridiculous number? Because I mean, we we're, we're starting to get more and more ridiculous every year as TV numbers increase, as salary caps increase. What seventy five million a year for LeBron? Yeah. Is that is that too much? A hundred? I, I mean, he's worth he, he. How much do we think he's worth the league? How much do we think he's worth his sponsors, uh, the global NBA economy? I mean, he is a brand. He's uh, you know, like Jay Z. He's he's not a businessman. He's a businessman. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that that guy. I I I don't even know how high you'd have to put the number. No, I, there's a reason why he has a lifetime contract with Nike. <laughs> yes. There is no limit to his value. <laughs> he is going to be – I mean, I, he's still playing, and he's still playing extremely well. He's still playing MVP caliber basketball. He is going to be one of those one of those legends that's just always around the game and is always raking in money for as long as he wants until he stops yeah. caring anymore. Yeah. And you know what's fascinating? There was just something I I saw, um, and I have to admit, I didn't have a chance to click and read it yet. Um, But it was about the majority and bulk of Michael Jordan's money coming after his career was over. Um, And that's not surprising, especially knowing the big leap in salaries and everything else after you know, the Jordan era, he was underpaid for almost his entire career, probably all of it. But he turned basically... 95 million into billions of dollars um and that's that's jordan brand that's everything else you know he's he's worth more than any athlete um and you just imagine all of the things that lebron is already doing while playing all of the ventures and and movies and production companies and content creators and investments he's doing um I mean, it's it's a big enough number already that he's made five hundred and thirty-two million in career earnings. But we also know from the you know billionaire status he got uh, months ago that he's making money off all sorts of other things too. All sorts of other things, and okay, his shoes aren't as popping as, as Jordan's. I don't no, know if any athlete none ever are. since. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's kind of like it's kind of insane when you think about it. Like it, no other athlete has even come close. 
maybe I don't. I, I can't even say who KD. I, I see no, a lot of. KDs I mean, the closest the would but... be like maybe Yeezys, but not not for an athlete, but just like a shoe that has the kind of vibe that Jordan's do. But it's not even close. But it's, it's just like yeah, not even remotely close. But he can do whatever he wants to do. Does he want to? Does he want to buy a team? And I I I'm purposely vague here because. It doesn't matter what team he wants to buy. If LeBron knocks on your door and says, I want to be a part owner, right. you're going to have a conversation with him. He's already a part owner of Liverpool over in the Premier League. Maybe he buys a maybe he buys a WNBA team. Maybe he wants to start an eSports team. I know his son, Bronny, is heavily into that. I think he's a member of FaZe Clan. It, it, it's one of those that once basketball is done, there are so many avenues. That's why he went to Los Angeles really to begin with. It wasn't because – the Lakers were such an attractive basketball team at the time. It was because, okay, now I, I have a home base for all of my other interests besides basketball. Does he want to start a, a winery? Does he want to start mm-hmm. a – I don't know. what it, it, it's The world is his oyster. He's LeBron yeah, James. It absolutely He's is. super marketable and, and super rich. And Well, it's also fascinating, and it's Sarah Spain, Marcel Louis-Jacques on ESPN Radio. It's also fascinating the way the contract is structured. One of the things that we noted when he went to the Lakers was for the first time, maybe ever, or at least in a long time, he didn't have the player option uh, when he first got there. And that was a staple of his time, particularly when he went back to Cleveland for the second time. And he's always done that in order to hold a team accountable for the decisions that they make. I'm not going to be here unless it looks like you're making moves in the offseason that I agree with. And in the case of the Lakers, he didn't have that power recently, but he does again because he's got that third-year player option. And you and I were talking about this before the show. The big news around LeBron's timing here is that he wants to see if and when his son is available to play, if he's good enough that maybe he wouldn't be drafted on his own, but if LeBron says, if you draft my son, I'll come play for you, and at the age that that is, is he still a game changer or at least a ticket sales changer? And do you make it happen, right? He's leaving himself available to, uh, you know, the other thing is is the alignment with Anthony Davis, and Chris Canty mentioned that on his show today. As a Lakers fan, I got to say, I feel pretty damn good about LeBron James locking in for potentially the next three seasons. I like the idea of L.A. being able to put LeBron and A.D. on the same timeline. Both of those guys have player options in the 2024-2025 season, which affords the franchise maximum flexibility as they try to build out the roster around them in the coming years. Yeah, I mean, what's more interesting to you? The timing with potentially a Bronny matchup or the timing with Anthony Davis where it could all go terribly and then both are out and the Lakers are left looking at whoever the hell they got left? Uh, I, I think the, the hater in me would say Anthony Davis, but uh, the sports <laughs> fan in me says says Bronny and Bronny's arrival in the NBA. It's no secret. He's made no secret that he wants to go play wherever Bronny is. I'm curious then – because everybody, including all 32 NBA GMs, know this. What is the scramble to get LeBron James Jr. going to be like? Is he going right. to be overvalued? Like, are you willing to trade the house to trade up to get him? Like, what is the – regardless of, of Bronny's talent level at the time, if it means that you also get LeBron James, then I'm sure that inflates his value a little bit. I'm not positive that's fair to Bronny, but oh, yeah. hey man, it's going to make you a couple dollars. Um, it'll make you a lot of money and you better spend all that money on therapy.
right? Because <laughs> if you have to spend the rest of your life trying to figure out, was I actually an NBA player or was that all about my dad? What happens when my dad's gone? Am I immediately cut? What about the teammates who all resent me because I don't belong there and I'm getting playing time because of my dad? I mean, it's fraught with potential issues. Now, I guess first world problems to be an NBA player when you don't deserve it. But a lot of people say stuff like that about well-to-do people forgetting that they're still human beings and they can be, you know, very deeply depressed and very deeply feel these things. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting thing to navigate both for Bronny and LeBron and whatever team, if they decide to take that swing. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Marcel-Louis Jacques, in Jacques, I should say, in for Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, interesting quick note, the opening night rivalries that are highlighting the uh, NBA schedule, uh, we've got the 76ers facing off against the Celtics. You've got the Lakers taking on the Warriors. There's also some interesting Christmas games. And, I mean, I think we're going to have the NBA looking up at the NFL as usual when when, when they're competing there for the holiday time, uh, which is no surprise. The NFL is king. I wonder if the NBA just figures we'll take whatever chunk we could get. Well, the thing is not that the NFL is playing on Christmas. Like, like yeah. that's that is that was supposed to be the NBA's NBA day. day. Yep. So if you're the NBA, if you're Adam Silver, oh, no offense. I was going to say you got to be pulling your hair out, but – not yeah. really. Uh, you, you know what I'm trying to say here. That like you too gotta be, has you gotta, already happened. <laughs> you got to be a little upset here because it's like, wow, I have to contend yep. with, with Aaron Rodgers playing the Dolphins on, on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the entire Christmas slate, but I guarantee that game's going to outdraw a lot of these NBA games, man. It, it, it just, oh, absolutely. Nature of the beast. NFL is king in America. Yeah, let's talk about it. So the NBA games are already good enough. Bucks at Celtics, Sixers at Knicks, Suns at Nuggets, Lakers at Mavs, Grizzlies at Warriors. And then you'll be trying to navigate that with the NFL games that you're getting served up. Uh, they had two Christmas Day games uh, last year, and uh, they are now highlighting with three. A Thursday night game as well. So Jags Jets on Thursday, 11 games on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day will be Packers, Dolphins, Broncos, Rams, and Bucks Cardinals, plus a little Chargers Colts action on the 26th to close things out. Wow, I I am so glad I usually get all of those days off of work uh, for a break because I'm going to sit in my chair and watch sports all day. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz. Let's get into Derwin James' great day and maybe a not-so-good day for a couple other guys at camp. We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Yeah, that is exactly... The appropriate sound after two historic deals we saw today. LeBron James, the highest earning player in NBA history, $532 million in career guaranteed money after the two-year $97.1 million extension that he just signed with the Lakers. But he is not alone in securing the bag today. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Marcel-Louis Jacques in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Los Angeles Chargers star Derwin James Holding in, and it worked. $76.4 million deal, the NFL's highest paid safety. Lindsay Theory going to join us to talk about the deal a little bit later in the show. You could absolutely say it was a good day for Derwin James. Uh, You could also say maybe not so much for a few other guys. Yeah, it was a rough day in camp. We're going to run through a couple guys and teams that didn't have it so good. And I know Marcel-Louis Jacques has some thoughts on the Panthers-Patriots 
practice scuffle, which sounds like something Tony Reale would say repeatedly before a show to get his mouth ready for hosting. Panthers, Patriots, practice scuffle. Uh, Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Um, Christian McCaffrey, part of that fight, knocked to the ground out of bounds by Patriots lineman Deontrich Wise Jr. And then there was a scrum. They fell on some fans. A woman actually had a swollen foot and had to uh, refuse treatment from the Patriots medical personnel, but has been offered tickets to a game. So that's a nice bonus after you've been injured by giant NFL players falling on you. Uh, Marcel, what do you make of this scuffle? Is it sort of to be expected when two teams get a chance to hit someone other than themselves? First of all, those tickets better come with the word season before <laughs> yeah. if you run into oh, me my up i think it's broke right like yeah. suddenly she needs to have a debilitating <laughs> foot issue that that is never going to be fixed until she gets those season tickets <laughs> what are you nuts uh tickets for the year yeah but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know you're you expect to see some disagreement because you know in typical fashion it's a lot of competitive spirit and testosterone in the air and heat and everything swirl of course you're going to want to hit somebody that is trying to hit you or you're going to hit somebody that knocks your teammate down but this is the second day in a row of a major brawl to come out of those joint practices yesterday several players were kicked out of practice by Bill Belichick and there is some bad blood between the Patriots and the Panthers I think last season uh Mac Jones either we either fumbled or he was strip sacked by by Brian Burns or he threw an interception and Matt kind of tackled him and twisted him on the way to the ground. And it was kind of a dirty play. It was a big deal for, for a little while there. So maybe that boiled over a bit uh, this week, but this there's an, there's a limit, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you can't be fighting like this every day and you definitely can't be putting fans in danger. I know that uh, risk management over there in, in, in new England Mm -hmm. was uh, probably earning their check today. That's right. Uh, another bad day uh, goes out to Drew Locke. Now, we mentioned this at the end of the show when last night when, when the news broke. Uh, Seahawks' Drew Locke set to miss his start on Thursday after testing positive for COVID-19. We kind of joked last night about Adam Schefter uh, about 20 minutes before posting that he would be unavailable because of COVID. He said, you know, Drew Locke gets the first team reps and he'll get the start and he'll have a real chance to prove himself. And that it was like 20 minutes later, up, scratch that. He will have to isolate for at least five days and will be unavailable. Now, what we've heard so far, Marcel, is that Geno Smith is leading the quarterback competition. And Pete Carroll, you know, said that aloud, but said, you know, Locke's going to get the start. We'll, we'll see how he looks against the Bears. I mean, that's an opportunity that you cannot get back, even if you start the next week. Like, there's so much that can happen in the span of time that you're gone to help solidify the case for Geno that that's just a real bad timing for Drew. Yeah, you, you hate to see it. And I'm not sure if he's as at fault this time around as he was back in the 2020 season uh, when the entire Broncos quarterback room Right. Got COVID right. and Kendall Hinton <laughs> needed to start it here. But this is this is the NFL. It's one of the it's a league where, you know, sometimes your opportunities are going to come from nefarious circumstances. Sometimes people are gonna get hurt and you're gonna get your big break that way. These guys don't care. The next guy up doesn't care. It doesn't matter how your opportunity gets there. Mm-hmm. What matters is you have it. And and this could be a rough blow to Drew's stake a, a, in the starting quarterback job because it's not like the Seahawks specifically traded for Drew Locke. Right. It, There's it no was reason a, for him to win out of anything other than actually having to win the, the job. Yeah. It was like, all right, well, 
we're, we're trading Russell Wilson. We have to get something back. We have to get a lot back. We have to have a quarterback in place. But Geno Smith wasn't bad for them uh, in, in, in filling duty for Russell Wilson last year. It's not a it's it's not a good situation no matter who's at quarterback right now. But hate to see it for Drew Locke and uh, hopefully you know for Geno's sake he can take advantage of the opportunity he's now been afforded. It's Spain and Fitz, Marcel Louis Jacques in for Fitz as we're talking about some guys who had bad days in camp. Um, I'm at least grateful. I hope that Geno Smith doesn't get punched before his start because uh, he had the worst luck potentially of all time. It's between him and Terod Taylor in terms of uh, bad luck before an opportunity. Uh, Opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to lead by example with his young receivers. I don't know whether he believes calling them out publicly and saying he's frustrated with drops and inconsistency is the best way to get them to shape up, right? If they don't fear you, they don't hear you kind of situation. Or is he showing way too much frustration way too early? We're hearing about a a closed-door meeting with the receivers already. We haven't played a single regular season game yet. What do you make of this? Yeah, uh, look, Aaron... After he was uh, on, on draft weekend, you know, he made comments about how he would be there for his young receivers. He was excited to get to work with these guys, and he's going to get them up to speed, this and that. He's not necessarily known as a friendly person. <laughs> he's known as a pretty cantankerous guy. So we, and, and the intimidation factor of being Aaron Rodgers when you're a rookie receiver, I, the last thing I would want is to be called out by that guy publicly. Like, shoot, man, it, it's already hard enough having you having you lay into me in private. Like, is this really going to do more good than harm to, to call them out like that? I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I might not know the full story. Maybe this is like a, the last straw for Aaron. Maybe he's been pleading with them and they're just hard-headed and not listening. I, I'm not sure, but I know Amari Rogers a little bit. I covered him at Clemson. I just I can't believe that – this guy isn't working hard enough or that this guy isn't right. doing his best. So, yeah, call, call me skeptical of Aaron here. Well, Aaron's a bit of a red ass. We know that. But he's also a guy who's pretty intentional about the ways he does these things. So either he is intentional in this way because he believes he'll get the best out of them or potentially even he foresees a rough start to the season with a bunch of new guys and without Devontae and he wants to put that out there so expectations will be that it's their fault and not his. I hate to say that. That'd be a rough way to, to start your season, but I wouldn't put it past him. We'll get to the Dolphins quarterbacks. Bad day a little bit later, but we got to talk WNBA playoffs. Get you set for them. Coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz on a Wednesday on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Marcel Louis-Jacques in for Fitz tonight. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We are about a half hour from tip-off of the WNBA playoffs, which will be kicked off by my defending champion, Chicago Sky, taking on Sabrina Ionescu, Benajah Lazy, and, uh, and, and the Liberty, and... Benajah Laney is a huge part of this conversation to help us talk about that first round and the rest of the first round. Kevin Pelton, ESPN WNBA writer, uh, who goes by both at K Pelton and at K Pelton WBB, the rare double Twitter handle. Uh, what are we doing here, Kevin? What's the deal with that? Yeah, and then I've got a separate one for my Seattle sports takes since they're wow. on a podcast wow. about Seattle sports. So I'm just all over the place. 
Yeah, that seems like a lot of work. I have enough trouble with just one. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's talk about Benajelani and the impact on the Liberty. This is a team that I anticipate the Sky should beat in the first round. The Sky are tremendously talented and tremendously deep. But Sabrina can go off, and this team, we don't really know exactly who they are because we haven't seen them with Laney a lot yet. Yeah, I mean, she barely played early in the season when the Liberty really got off to a slow start before Sabrina kind of started to play at this all-WNBA level that she reached in the you know middle part of the season and started knocking off triple doubles and uh, started that craze in the WNBA. But Laney came back for you know the last couple of weeks of the season in a reserve role, and it's important because they haven't had a ton of wing depth on this roster. She also gives them the ability to play a little different style because they can play her as a power forward in some smaller lineups with more shooting that's you know what they like to do last year uh but you know i've kind of gone away from a little bit under sandy brondello this year but you know i, I don't think new york is going to win this series but with sabrina with Mourinho Hannes, with uh with, with laney back in the lineup i think new york can make it a fun competitive series hey kevin marcel here uh i'm, I'm curious what's new about this playoff format this year i i think there's including a a, a treat or a reward for making the finals yeah, what's uh, what's going to be new this year starts in the first round because it has been a format where the top two teams are advanced directly to the semifinals and then everyone else played uh, two rounds of single elimination games to get to those semifinals and match up against them. Now they've gone back to a best of three in the first round, so nobody, you know, under the old format, you could be the third seed, and we saw this happen last year to the Minnesota Lynx and get knocked out by losing one game at home in the, mm. in the second round of those single elimination games. So now everybody plays in the first round they're going to be best of three it's interesting because the home team hosts the first two and then the lower seed will host the game three so Mm -hmm. if you can pick up a win on the road all of a sudden you go to being favored in the series with that deciding game at home and then uh, you know as you mentioned the format's same in the semifinals and the finals but the big difference now that we're going to see some charter flights in the finals that's been a big issue the WNBA players have been pushing for and you know I think just the start of more charters in the WNBA hopefully. Yeah, James Wade, the head coach of the Sky, not happy about that 2-1 format for the first round. Let's hope that the Sky don't have to even think about it by taking care of business in the first two games. Which of the first round matchups do you think is going to be the most competitive? I think it's definitely Seattle and Washington. These two teams were tied in the standings this year. The home court advantage in that series came down to the Storm taking two of the three head-to-head matchups. And you're talking about teams that have combined to win three of the last four championships. Seattle beat Washington in the finals in 2018. Mystics won in 2019. The Storm got back in 2020. And, you know, neither of these teams have really lost in the playoffs when their stars have been at full strength. The Storm's two losses in there came when Brianna Stewart was sidelined. The Mystics haven't had Atlanta Deladon the last two years since they won the title. Both of those players have made it to the playoffs healthy, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see them square off. Kevin, how difficult of a matchup are the Las Vegas Aces going to be with Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plume forming such a dynamic duo? Yeah, I mean, they go into the, the postseason as hot as anyone. The final week of the season, they beat Seattle twice, including in front of a completely sold-out Climate Pledge Arena for Sue Bird's last regular season home game. They also beat Chicago at home, and, and that gave them the tiebreaker over the sky and gives them home court advantage throughout the playoffs. So as a result of that, we did our picks today ahead of the start of the playoffs on ESPN.com, and I, I took the Aces to win it all with Plum winning uh, finals MVP ahead of Asia Wilson, who's probably going to win regular season Ooh. MVP. 
Wow. Okay. Let's wait. There was a lot in there. Hold on. Okay. Kevin Pelton is talking to us about WNBA first round action playoff start tonight in about a half hour with the sky and the Liberty. Um, and then, uh, the aces are, are the late game. Uh, uh, and, and I, I agree with you. I feel very strongly about how the aces have played lately and they look incredibly strong in one game matchups. And I think that they'll be fine with that Phoenix team that I'm frankly surprised made it to the postseason with all of the drama and the injuries and everything else. But how do you <laughs> feel about the lack of depth? Because I think when you get to a series situation, that's where it could bite the aces that once you get past that starting group, you cannot go to your bench. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think a lot is going to depend on how quickly Dierica Hamby can come back after uh, she suffered an injury in the last week of the regular season. She's expected to miss at least the first round. Uh, as you said, they should be fine without her in the first round. No Diana Taurasi at this point for Phoenix. Skylar Diggins-Smith away from the team for personal reasons. So, you know, not the firepower that we associated with Phoenix when they upset Las Vegas in last year's semifinals matchup. Uh, and eventually lost in the finals. Uh, but, you know, come semifinals time, they're looking at playing either Seattle or Washington, and we just talked about that's going to be a very competitive series, and I think that's probably where you're going to need to see De'Erica Hamby back in the lineup because, you know, even with her healthy, they were really dependent on that top group of five players. Uh, they did make a change to their starting lineup with Kia Stokes stepping in for Hamby late in the regular season to give them a little bit of a different look. But, you know, that's, that's the edge that Chicago has, that they're the mm-hmm. deepest the contenders right now in, in WNBA, but kind of interesting because you know Chicago didn't come in, doesn't come in playing its best basketball, and Las Vegas does defensively, especially. Yeah. And Kevin, going back to to the Mercury, it is pretty impressive that they're able to claw their way into the playoffs with so much surrounding them and without their three best players. Do we know anything else about Skylar Diggins being out? You know, no, I mean, they haven't really specifically said, but the fact that they still have a uh, hardship player on the roster, she was under suspension. So I don't think you can change that going into the playoffs. I think that that does, in fact, rule her out for the postseason. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they've, they've battled hard. Sophie Cunningham, Shea Petty, or a couple of younger players who have really stepped up for them this season. And they threw out some lineups where, you know, it's four or five players who weren't on their roster to start this season uh, when they go to their bench. But they've continued to play quite hard and got enough wins to get at. Yeah, I mean, you never want to speculate when someone has personal problems or has reasons for stepping away from the team, but it's all the more complicated when you know that Skylar was battling her own coach with clown emojis uh, via social media, was battling DT on the bench during it, and maybe looking for a new team. It all becomes very complicated ahead of the postseason. We're talking to Kevin Pelton. You can follow him at Pelton and at WBB. And if you can find his secret Seattle Sports Takes Twitter, you can follow him there as well. Sorry, ESPN WNBA writer. Um, you mentioned the sky. Defensively, they've struggled against some of the best teams in recent matchups. You look at a team like the Storm that maybe midseason you thought, how are you not playing better with the amount of talent that you have it's all starting to click now if you look across the landscape for the team that just looks the best because I for instance the sky last year came into the playoffs with a low seed and that was because Candace Parker missed 11 or 12 games mid-season everyone kind of seemed to forget that or weren't watching so when they made that deep run and ended up winning it all people thought wow they really came out of nowhere well no it was very clear what happened Candace Parker was hurt and then she got better and they were good is there a team this year that you see where you say listen it's very easy to explain and now they're coming in all all cylinders go and they're going to be dangerous 
I think it probably is Seattle with the addition of Tina Charles midseason. Give them, you know, another MVP who as recently as last year was on the old WNBA team and led the league in scoring. And, you know, it, it hasn't really been noticed because their record wasn't any better after they signed Tina Charles as compared to beforehand. But if you look at the style of wins, the, the, the point differential in those wins, they've been a much better team in the second half of the season. They went into Chicago and knocked off the sky last week and put up 111 points to tie the mm. franchise record. So, you know, the offense, which had been struggling early in the year, is really clicking for them. It, it is interesting that we haven't mentioned Connecticut at all. Connecticut, the third right. seed, who, uh, you know, has had a, a long track record as a contender in this league. They actually had the best point differential of anyone in the regular season this year, despite uh, finishing third in the standings yeah I mean it's going to be a really really fascinating playoffs here especially with the new format and everything else uh Spain and Fitz hey real quick I think we asked you earlier I'm not sure we got to it the uh the extra bonus for making the finals Oh, yeah, yeah, increased playoff bonuses. So that's a, a big factor in your salaries if you're a WNBA player. So, you know, uh, nice to see that that continue to uh, reward success for these players. Yeah, and between the bonuses and the chartered flights, hopefully there will be some carryover from end of the season to just full season changes that the league looks into, along with expansion that I think we all are hoping for as well. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the games tonight. Will do. Thanks for having me. Kevin Pelton with us here on Spain and Fitz. Marcel Louis-Jacques in for Fitz tonight. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, a triple threat of protection with home, auto, and more. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, as I leave for vacation, we're going to try to predict what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. We'll get your predictions sure to go wrong next on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We were just talking to Kevin Pelton about it. WNBA playoffs start tonight, and the first game Kicks off in about 15 minutes. My Chicago Sky taking on the Liberty. Sabrina Onescu finally kicking in to really the expectations everyone had for her after a tremendous college career. And Benajah Laney is back, creating a whole different circumstance for that Liberty team as they make it back into the playoffs but run into the buzzsaw that is the defending champs. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Marcel Louis-Jacques in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Uh... By the way, the WNBA regular season was the most watched in 14 years. Uh, ABC, ESPN, CBS all had game coverage, an average of almost 380,000 viewers. Um, and, you know, I just, I would love for the continued investment from the sponsors, from the investors, from the networks, from the media. It, it's interesting to compare something, and it's not an apples to apples at all, but you look at, say, the new... Uh, TV deal for MLS, $250 million TV deal with Apple TV per season for MLS, while the WNBA deal, which is old and is about to get renewed and is going to go up for sure, is at $27 million a season. $27 million a season versus $250 million a season, and WNBA ratings are almost 100,000 more viewers on average per game. Yeah, and, and we, you and I talked about this a little bit uh, off air the last time we did this show that uh, it needs to be in front of a broader audience. Like yeah. that, it's critical in, in the development of this league and growing the audience. It, right now, I don't know if people are how accessible it is or not. I, I don't know if, if people can, if you ask somebody on the street where they can watch the game tonight. It's, yeah. It's it's not that easy for them. They're not just going to pop it off the top of their head. So a deal like that, a, a platform like that, would do wonders to 
to getting these women broadcasted to the masses and, and getting these stars broadcasted to the masses. Yeah, and what I would say is we talked about this last time, men's sports tend to be opt-out. Like, you're going to hear about it. It's going to be in your face. It's going to be easy to find. Women's sports are opt-in. You've got to find the streaming service it's on, and you've got to go looking for the content. And so it's fine if you're not into it. I think what's frustrating to me is people who try to poison the well without any knowledge, right? Someone posted about that MLS deal versus WNBA, and the number of dudes in my mentions that are like, what about this? What about this? And they're not invested at all in the industry. They don't know anything about the fan report uh, from Sports Innovation Lab. They don't know anything about the data that says that we are now several years behind the massive financial boon that would be investment in women's sports. They don't know anything about the valuations of NWSL teams doubling in one year's time and the massive uh, fees for franchisings that are that are entering the league now. I mean, if you're invested in all of that and you want to come to me with a thoughtful and nuanced take as to why I'm wrong about this stuff, that's great. Uh, but the number of dudes that just don't want anyone to say anything good about women's sports while still not actively participating in any way to understand how the shift has happened uh, is exhausting. <laughs> it's yeah, really it, it's really tiring. It gets to the point, like, what are you all adding to the conversation? What are you so like, mad about, this? right? <laughs> yeah. If you don't watch, then don't watch. But, like, yeah. Uh, yeah Stop opt- getting in the way. <laughs> yeah. Get, then opt out. You know, turn your, turn yeah. your ears off. Don't, don't yeah. listen. It actually reminds me of there was a – this, when the Euro 22 final happened and there was a massive, massive and crazy, you know, 90,000 plus fans. And then they sell out Wembley within 24 hours for, for London, U.S., uh, for, sorry, Europe, uh, England, U.S. Um, there was a story and it pointed out that in 1920, a women's soccer game in England had 53,000 fans. And the men who ran their soccer federation were so mad that they banned women's soccer for 50 years from using any of their facilities, from being a part of the Federation. So, like, just get out of the way and see what happens. Stop getting in the way It's all I'm asking. It's just not that hard. And for the media to catch up to the fact that we're in a completely different era than it used to be when it comes to sponsorship money, investment ratings, etc. Um, anyway, that brings us to these playoffs, which should be absolutely Fantastic. It's been an incredible year. We're also saying goodbye to a number of super high-profile players where this is going to be the last we see of them. This is going to be the last chance they have to win it all. Um, and I'm going to do a couple predictions here. Okay. I'm heading out on vacation tomorrow, so I got to get my first round predictions in. Uh, thankfully, when I am wrong, if I am wrong, almost inevitably, uh, I won't be able to see your menchies. I'll, I'll be on a beach. I won't be listening. So, uh, you know, just save your told you so for another time. I've got the Aces in the first round against the Mercury. That's an easy one for me. The Aces are not a very deep team, but they can put a hurting on you. And the Mercury, with all the injuries and the players that are going to be out, uh, just aren't going to be able to contend. Although, again, major props to Phoenix for keeping it together enough with the whole uh, Brittany Griner situation and all the injuries uh, just to make it there. But Vegas in two for me on that one. Sky Liberty. Uh, props to the Liberty to get back in the mix here. Props to Sabrina for her play lately. But the Sky, when playing well, are the deepest team in the league and absolutely can turn it on. You can have any number of players at any moment step up and step up big. It's not who you expect. It's impossible to guard them. Chicago in two. I've got my sky advancing. Connecticut's on Dallas wings. You know, if Arike Gunbowale was in the mix, I might have more hope for Dallas. Uh, that's a team that um, has had a lot of people in and out of the lineup for injury. Um, Satu Sabali, one of them, she's missed all but 11 games. Isabel Harrison was ruled out on Sunday with the shoulder issue. And Arike is just a spark that you can't replace. I think Connecticut is going to take care of them. Again, I've got that in two 
for the Suns. So I've got uh, three sweeps so far in the three-game series. Storm Mystics. This is a fascinating one. Seattle uh, really has started to pick things up of late, but Elena Deladon is a complete game-changer when she's available. I think the Storm still win this series, but I think Seattle in three for that one. So uh, you can write those down. You can come after me if I was wrong, uh, but I feel pretty confident in those picks. I know it's a lot of sweeps, but uh, those top-tier teams in the WNBA this year are particularly good. So a couple things, Marcel. Number one, uh, the Chicago sports site that has a bunch of content and and blogs and, and podcasts and stuff called, I don't even know how they say it, Chicago Sports, C-H-G-O Sports, posted something today that, that really made me happy. It was an old McDonald's giveaway pin with Michael <laughs> Jordan on it that said, it'll be sweet to repeat. And they said, hey, McDonald's, we think you should run this button back with the sky. It's got Candace Parker on it instead. It'll be sweet to repeat. So we wanted to ask the folks out there the best promotion or giveaway from their youth that they still have or that they remember for their favorite team do you have one that comes to the top of your head wow that's uh i'm looking at them right now actually i don't have a bunch but uh, i grew up in northern california i grew up in sacramento and one of the grocery stores safeway was giving out san francisco giants like magnets like magnets with the player cutouts on them so I have, like, Eduardo Alfonso. I've got Jerome Williams on my fridge. I've got J.T. Snow holding up a whole bunch of wedding invitations right now. Those are, uh, you know, the, that game that, like, they say people love to play when you just sit around and name old baseball players or name yeah. old athletes. Like, those yeah, are yeah. three go-tos right there. That's great. I have uh, these old – glasses uh they're actually made of glass like really nice ones uh that mcdonald's did with the bears that you could collect a set my aunt actually got it for me on ebay they aren't something that i kept uh but that's an example of one that i I see them around town where everybody in chicago has those they they all got them uh send us yours at sarah spain at spain and fitz at marcel underscore lj also i'm taking a very lengthy vacation i've earned it shut your mouth and i want to know by the time i'm back my first show back will be September 5th. What is the big prediction, sure to go wrong, that you want to put down that will for sure be true by the time I go back? Will Lamar Jackson have a new contract? Will Drew Locke have finally made a start and won out uh, the, the quarterback job? What about Baker? Will you know this WNBA team be bounced in the first round? What do you got for me? At Sarah Spain, at Marcel underscore LJ, at Spain and Fitz. You can give us your predictions. We'll read them at the end of the show. Coming up between NFL Holdens and QB battles, a lot to get to in the NFL. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you as always. Definitely not pulling up a second screen to watch the sky take on the liberty as I'm hosting this show. Uh, joined by Marcel Louis Jacques, who's in for Fitz tonight. On ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm going to talk a little NFL while we keep one eye on the WNBA playoffs getting underway. Mike Sando, NFL senior writer for The Athletic with us now. You can follow him at Sando NFL. Let's start with the big news of the day. Derwin James. These hold-ins seem to be working quite well. What do you make yeah. of his record contract? Yeah, you know, the, the Chargers have been a team accused, probably rightfully so, for a long time of, of not spending a lot of money. And, and I think from where they're at, having this you know great young quarterback in Justin Herbert, but a defense, and for that matter, special teams that have been so bad that he's 15 and 17 as a starter, you've seen them make some investments. And I think 
the only risk with Durbin James is that he's you know does have an injury history and missed games, but otherwise has everything they want and is an impact player and a leader and a tough you know presence on the field for them. So probably makes sense for them to do this. They've spent a little bit of money on uh, you know getting J.C. Jackson from the from the uh, Patriots and free agency. They got Khalil Mack. So this all to me kind of makes sense as they try to prop up that side of the ball and give their really good young quarterback a chance to win before they have to pay him. Yeah, the Chargers definitely did their part in the AFC West arms race this offseason. Mike, Marcel here. You were recently at the Seahawks camp, and we know we're not going to see Drew Locke playing Thursday, but what do you make of the battle brewing between Locke and Geno Smith? Yeah, yeah, I think they really like Geno Smith, but probably know that he's you know best suited as a backup at this stage of his career. And Locke maybe too, but that hasn't been proven, I think, so. The plan has been probably to move towards Locke as a starter, make him earn it. But now he has uh, COVID, so he's going to miss one game opportunity to to prove himself. But I think we're going to see Drew Locke named the starter this season. I'm not 100% really? sure when. Yeah. I, w- I would have told you two days ago that he would be the odds-on favorite to be named the starter for week one. I think with this situation, with the COVID missing, and then also they're playing Denver in week one. Who knows what they're going to be thinking? You know, do they want to send them out there in a situation where it feels like the whole season's on one game? But I think they have to look at Drew Locke this season because they know what Geno Smith is and they know that it's good enough to want to get somebody else. Wait, real quick. I'm surprised you're the only person I've heard who believes that Locke was in a position to take the job. Everybody, including Pete Carroll, is saying that Geno Smith's in the lead. What has you thinking that? Oh, well, Geno Smith is in the lead, but I think the, the plan of the organization at 30,000 feet is to see what Drew Locke can do, and, and that's because he's a less proven commodity, right? I mean, they really like Geno Smith, but everybody Potential in the league ceiling. thinks Geno yeah. Smith's a good, well, an undetermined ceiling, you know? So that's all. I mean, Geno Smith, he may start the season, but I don't think their pl- the plan would be, hey, let's see if we can win the championship or let's see if Geno Smith can prove that he's somebody we're going to invest in for the long term, right? That's not going to happen. That's not part of the calculus, I don't think. It may not be for Lockheeder, but I think there's an interest to discover for themselves uh, what a lot of other people have already decided, that Drew Lock's not that good, right? But they haven't decided that. They liked him, obviously, in the draft more than some other teams did. There were mixed reviews. I think for sure they want to take a look at him this season. I think he's definitely going to start. I just don't know if it's going to be week one or how Pete Carroll is going to handle that because I think he does have a lot of respect for Geno Smith. And he's not just going to give it to Drew Locke. If Drew Locke's missing half the preseason with COVID or unable to prove himself or looks terrible in the preseason, they're not going to do it. But I think that would be the, the most logical scenario for them in this season of discovery at quarterback before they decide next offseason probably what they have to do because they're going to have picks. They're going to be in the mix likely for another quarterback unless Drew Locke proves that he's more than he's been so far. Mike, what else has stood out to you on, on your training camp travels? It feels like uh, every every team, every other team has their own dramatic storylines to follow this offseason. Yeah. Well, like I went to Philadelphia and I thought they looked pretty good. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the one day at camp and decide what the team is, but I thought their defense just really looked good when I was there. They looked like a fast team. They were running around knocking the the football away. I did go to Buffalo, and I think, you know, you can certainly see the difference when you have a Josh Allen versus some of the other places where they don't. I went to Indy. I'm real curious on Matt Ryan. You know, I, I, 
I think he has a chance with their offensive line to to be better than he's been recently and having a good running back behind him. But there's so much riding on that with them and the way the owners been antsy with Carson Wentz that, you know, I think there's still some questions there. I think they're just a really interesting team uh, in a tough conference, right? The AFC is going to be tough to get out of. Uh, so those are a, a few of the tidbits. But for me, mostly I'm working on other projects. I'm I wrote a piece last Friday looking at the quarterbacks that have sort of been betrayed the most by their organizations. Justin Herbert was one of those guys who really lead good offenses and and have had bad defenses that have prevented them from winning. So those are usually the types of things I'm working on when I go to training camps more so than the postcard from camp and, you know, this rookie receiver looks good and then we never hear from him again when the season starts. Mike Sando is with us, NFL senior writer for The Athletic. Did Aaron Rodgers make the list of QBs done wrong by the team, or is that more of a public narrative? Yeah. And what do you make of his oh, critical no. words about the wide receivers? Yeah, well, uh, Aaron Rodgers is always, you know, uh, I think he, I think he's generally elevated those guys around him. I think it's generally been a uh, more welcoming environment than, let's say, New England. I, mean, I think that's been a harder place for receivers to catch on, so... We'll see. We know he was outspoken before when they drafted, uh, uh, you know, Jordan Love. Uh, obviously, they didn't address the receiver position. But on the de- defense special teams thing, he's been totally betrayed because really the one year, the their their best year with him as a starter on defense special teams won the Super Bowl. They've had a bunch of other years where they're in the bottom eight or ten of the league, and it's, it's kind of like the Drew Brees syndrome, right? Drew Brees was like that so much of his career. When he was good on defense special teams, they won the Super Bowl. Guess why Tom Brady wins a lot of Super Bowls? Because he's <laughs> good, like Breeze and Rodgers, and they're squared away on the other phases of the game. And so, you know, that's always a challenge in football, of trying to make those things line up, and not many teams can do that year after year after year. And I think that's where Rodgers is. I actually like his chances this year. I think their defense um, has real possibilities, some good young players. I'm very excited to see them now. The question is, does he dip back to where he was at a couple years ago when the weaponry around him was weak and really letting him down? I think there was a lot of missed opportunities on the field that they started capitalizing on. Maybe it's Lafleur's offense. I don't know. But you take away Devontae Adams, I think you have at least the potential um, for it to not look as good offensively. Yeah, well, if you let Aaron Rodgers tell it, he's already being let down by his young receivers, claiming they need to yeah. do better. We're talking about closed-door meetings already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yep, so, I mean, what must that feel like if you were a young receiver trying to make it in the league right? at Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> and that's like, that's like you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're going to work and the CEO of the company from, you know, corporate headquarters is talking about you. That's usually not a good thing. (laughs) That's not fun at all. Uh, Mike, going out to Baltimore, their biggest story obviously revolving around Lamar Jackson's contract situation. (laughs) He set a deadline for week one, but do you think he actually gets that deal done before the season starts? I mean, I guess I'll kind of believe it when I see it. I'm just, from what I've seen, you know, he hasn't seemed overly eager to, to do just any deal. And the the front office and coaches, ownership, whatever, they, they've kind of said this off season that, hey, you know, when Lamar's ready to do it, we'll do it. I, I don't think they'd be making that up, saying that publicly. So the thing about Lamar Jackson that he's got going for him, two things. He makes $23 million this year, so that's a great security blanket for him to bet on himself, right? It was way harder, if you go back in time, to when Colin Kaepernick or Andy Dalton were 
you know, not as accomplished as Lamar is at this point, but were good young quarterbacks, they settled and took the best deal they could get because they had never made any money. They didn't get $23 million in the option. So I think he's in a great spot. We've seen in the league, Dak Prescott can severely injure his leg, and there's a market for Dak. He still got paid probably exactly what he would have got paid anyway. So maybe it's a little more risk because Lamar Jackson does depend on his legs more than, let's say, Dak Prescott or most other quarterbacks. But he's going to get $23 million bucks. Why would he settle for a deal? You know, see what he can get. See if he can maximize it. Mike Sando is with us from The Athletic. You can follow him at Sando NFL. Quick question for you. What do you think ultimately is going to happen with Jimmy G? Oh, man. I think they've been banking on, you know, a Teddy Bridgewater type situation like the Vikings had a few years ago where suddenly someone is out. And we thought we might have seen that happening with, uh, you know, the Zach Wilson situation. So that's the sort of scenario I think they would be um, waiting for. I don't know that I don't think they would carry him into the season, Um, but it feels like one big waiting game. And they seem determined to the 49ers do to at least get something so it feels like it's going to wait and we'll see if somebody has an acute need at the position uh, as we get closer to it but that's a different position than receiver or you know running back or corner where you can always use another one you can't always use a quarterback even if you don't have a great one (laughs) right you don't just add one in and say we're going to pay 25 million it it throws everything off so that that dollar sign is is surely hurting and some reports about him which we're going to get into next hey mike thanks so much for the insight appreciate it thank you mike sando with us from the athletic follow him at sando nfl espn radio is presented by progressive insurance progressive makes bundling easy and affordable get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle rv boat atv and more all your protection in one place bundle and save at progressive.com coming up speaking of jimmy g Some strange reporting coming out. And why now? It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Marcel Louis Jacques, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Going to get to some NFL stories. We were just talking about Jimmy G and where he might end up. And it does feel like everyone's sort of waiting for there to be an injury or a need to pop up that would make it worth spending the kind of money that you'd have to to grab him. In the meantime, he is an incredible purgatory because we know that he is technically a part of the Niners team, but also they don't plan on using him. They don't plan on playing him. And we found out via a report that he doesn't have a playbook or attend meetings. Now, that's not all that surprising if you think hard about it, because why would you give a guy that you don't plan on ever playing this season your playbook, especially if you anticipate sending him off somewhere else? But it's sort of actually weird to think about, Marcel, to be on a roster and be paid by a team, not go to any meetings or have a playbook. That's like, uh, I don't know if you're a big Silicon Valley fan. Yeah. But like they're like the unproductives like, that just yeah. sat on the roof and drinking Yeah, big all head. Day. Yeah, big, like he's just big he's head, chilling just with paid. big head. <laughs> on Huli on, on campus right now. That's right. That's that, right. That tracks. I mean, he's in the Bay Area, but it, it is it is kind of weird because I mean, so let's God forbid, okay, God forbid, Trey Lance gets hurt in in preseason in training camp, oh. knee injury, something. He's hurt. if you 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 have to you have to keep Jimmy G. You have That's to call awkward. back to him, right? Yeah, it's, it's super awkward. You don't want to like, go Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy. Like, it's a matter of pride there for both parties. <laughs> yeah, right? like, you're, you're sucking up a whole lot of pride, but you don't want to waste a season either. Exactly. So I mean, 
not having a playbook, not participating at all is it's a little weird. It's yeah. a little unorthodox. I've never really heard of anybody doing that, no matter how yeah. disgruntled I mean, they are. Also like, weird, though, is the same uh, Monday morning quarterback that we got um, that little piece of information from, I believe, was the same. Um, or I guess it's now the football morning in America is what we call Peter King's work. I don't know. Whatever. The point is Peter King wrote it. And we heard that. We also heard Michael Silver... Uh, did a he's now a columnist out in the bay area and a former employee of the team decided to tell him that after getting his new deal jimmy g ignored his coaches that once he left the press conference announcing his big contract quote nobody heard from him for weeks and weeks he didn't return calls he didn't return texts he basically just vanished and we were looking at each other going what just happened so obviously there is a time during which players, even the best players and the high-paid quarterbacks, get a break from their team. But the idea that he would just not respond, not respond, just disappear after getting all that cash, and why in the world would an employee of that team who is still looking to trade him release that? Yeah, that is kind of curious when you have to think about where this what's what's the source and what is the what's the reason, right? What's the angle? Uh, from Jimmy's standpoint, I mean, this would, if we are to believe this this report as fact, would shed a little light on why they're so willing to cut bait with a guy who has led them to an NFC Championship game and a Super Bowl appearance. Uh, it, it would explain why they're willing to trade up for a kid who hadn't played in more than a year and played at mm-hmm. you know, an, an FCS school. Uh, that is just, it's weird boy behavior. And I, I don't know, like he just... Is Weird Boy your uh, radio way of saying something that we would say otherwise if we weren't on the radio? That, yep. Yeah, okay, on the, good. That's good. synergy All right, nice. Right there. I like that. That's synergy right there. He's, he's out on an show. island is what you're saying. He is on an island, you know, whether it's love or weird, the other Weird word. Boy like, Island. It's, <laughs> it's just weird behavior. Like, I, I don't... They say, you know, money just turns you into more of who you already are. And mm. so if, if there were any signs of that beforehand, then, I mean, the 49ers are partly responsible for rewarding that with generational wealth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, if it, not, then, I mean, he already looks like an actor. That was apparently yeah. great acting. Yeah. it's And according to Mike Silver, the, the source told him that ghosting the team during the offseason was a regular thing for the ensuing offseasons of his career there. So, yeah, it could be part of the reason that they wanted to say goodbye. Still confused as to why anyone from the team, perhaps that person has since left. Uh, we know for sure that they were employed by the Niners. They were on the coaching staff in 2018. Potentially, maybe they've left and they don't really care what happens to the Niners or Jimmy G. Just wanted to give up that juicy tidbit. We'll see what happens with Jimmy G. Also, keeping an eye on quarterbacks with the Dolphins. This is your account. Six interceptions, half of them coming from Tua today. Barry Jackson on Twitter called it the worst quarterback day of camp by far. Tua's got what five picks this week. What do you make of it? Yeah, uh, it's been a it's been an interesting couple of weeks and I haven't personally been making a big deal out of it because it's one thing to throw a bunch of picks if you're still struggling you know what I mean like if you are struggling to make plays if you're struggling to make reads you're not scoring you're not driving down the field it's another when you throw them situationally and where most of Tua's interceptions have come from particularly uh on on Monday or excuse me on on Tuesday were 
two-minute drill, long yardage situations, defenses basically playing prevent. Uh, they weren't great passes. I'm not gonna. I'll, I'm not gonna cape for them like that. They weren't great. Probably would shouldn't have been attempted. But that's kind of a time where you figure out, all right, what can I get away with and what can't I? What works and what doesn't? That's why it's called practice, right? It's not called perfect. So I I don't think that it's worth reading that far into he still did throw like four touchdowns on the day it's just that because he's usually been so careful with the ball anytime he throws an interception it, it is kind of a big deal today on the other hand he threw a a god he threw a pick six to Javon Holland who if you haven't heard of him by now everybody listening he is a all-pro candidate at safety this year Threw a pick six and then he threw another one in red zone drills double covered tight end another pass that shouldn't be attempted and you shouldn't have to try to know that you can't get away with that. So I, I don't think it's as big of a deal as, as it's being made out to be, but it's Tua and he's polarizing. Yeah. I mean, it was just a year or two ago that Jimmy G threw five picks in one practice and look how he's doing now. Just kidding. Great. Enviable just position. Right? Kidding. I mean, he is getting paid a lot of money to not even have to go to practice or look at the playbook. Uh, Kyler Murray is super jealous. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's camp. That's when you're supposed to, on stuff. Uh, once the regular season starts, we can start to panic if need be. Coming up, Derwin James got his new deal, but find out what he was most excited about when he learned about his contract. It's coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. A very nice day for Derwin James as he secures the bag. The hold-in worked. He's even more excited about something else, though. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Marcel Louis-Jacques in for Fitz. On ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, Lindsay Theory, ESPN Chargers reporter, joins us now to talk about it. Uh, first, let's just get your reaction to the deal. What did you make of it? Yeah, I think it was the deal that Derwin James uh, deserved. Uh, as Brandon Staley so eloquently said just a day ago, he's far more than a safety for this defense. Um, you know, he can play corner. He plays uh, obviously deep in the field. He plays in the box. He plays on the edge like this guy is. Uh, a guy who can do it all. So I think that number really reflects that, that maybe he's not just a safety um, as he becomes the highest paid uh, at the position in the NFL, in NFL history. Hey, Lindsay, it's Marcel. If you're enjoying the, the, the new beat so far, I guess same, same stadium, same city. That's, that's pretty easy on the travel schedule. But <laughs> was, was Derwin more excited about being able to get to practice again, more so than the money? We saw the, the social media post from David Mulligetta. Yeah, it definitely appeared that way. I mean, I asked him what it was like to, to hold in and if it was hard, and he was super animated and said, heck, yeah, it was hard. I mean, every day he was out here, like, you could almost see him, like, get in, wanting to get in there like he had some of his equipment. And it was, like, tempting, right? But, um, you know, his agent said, no, don't do it, and he didn't do it. But uh, he was smiling. I mean, he's naturally kind of a smiley guy, but he certainly had the biggest smile I've seen uh, on his face throughout camp today. And uh, he just went through individual drills. Really, they're, they're going to be smart with him. You can't just throw him out there, even though they're in the middle of joint practices uh, against the Cowboys. Um, but they're going to be smart with him, and he seems incredibly happy and relieved that he just gets to play football again. I mean, is there anything the fans want to hear more than that their very highly compensated superstar couldn't wait to get back into practice? I mean, that's such a great thing to hear after you hear about that big money payday. Lindsay Theory, ESPN Chargers reporter with us. You can follow her at Lindsay Theory. 
let's talk about this Chargers team on the whole. What are the expectations? There is a tremendously tough bunch of teams that they're going to face often, and there's also an expectation that we can't keep hyping a team without some actual payoff in the postseason. So what's a realistic expectation? Uh, realistically, you look at the roster from top to bottom. I mean, they have several first-round picks uh, that were in-house picks. They went and they traded for Khalil Mack. They went and signed J.C. Jackson. Um, obviously, he's not a first-round pick. He's a former undrafted free agent, but uh, nevertheless, the league leader in the receptions since 2018. They signed him to a massive five-year deal. Uh, the expectation, the thought around here this offseason is they're going for it, and uh, they're going to not only want to make a deep playoff run, like this is a team that wants to win a championship. Uh, so I, I think that really is the expectation. Now, how do you go, like you said, from a team that hasn't been in the playoffs the last three years to that, especially given the division? Uh, it looks a lot tougher maybe than when they set out with this plan in the offseason, but nevertheless, that remains the goal around here. Lindsay, when, when Brandon Staley took over this job, I, I don't think the AFC West was nearly as, as tough as it is now, of course, but like you said, three seasons now for the franchise without making the playoffs. Is he under a little bit of pressure entering 2022? I don't think he is maybe internally. Maybe some of that pressure is more from the outside, uh, seeing how you know they, they ended their season last year against the Raiders and with some questioning his play calling, especially on fourth down and his aggressiveness and decisions to go for it. But I don't get the sense that here at the Chargers that there's any pressure on him uh, you know, that this is a make-or-break season and they would be willing to move on from him after two seasons. I, I don't get that feeling at all, uh, that that starting from the very top down. So, um, you know, externally I can see why it's like, is this an experiment that's going to work out? But I think they're pretty pretty happy with Brandon Steele. I know he's had his uh, stay this off season and what he needed to upgrade this roster. So I, I think they're, um, for lack of a better term, but I think they're all in um, with their head coach. Lindsay Theory is with us here on Spain and Fitz. Marcel Louis Jacques in for Fitz. Uh, Khalil Mack came to the Bears from the Raiders, had a tremendous first season, started to slip a bit. Do you anticipate a bounce back for him on a team with something to prove? Or what have you seen in camp? Yeah, I do expect a bounce back from him. Uh, you know, starting with the fact that he's lining up opposite of Joey Bosa. I mean, what a pass rush that is. Uh, I've mentioned it several times. If you're planning protection, how do you plan to stop both of those guys? Um, so I think just by nature, who his new teammate is, uh, he'll be able to bounce back. But I also think, uh, you know, I talked to Joey Bose about Khalil Mack, who's himself a bit reserved and a bit quiet. And, and Joey was telling me that they kind of have to hold him back a little bit. You know, he's coming off foot injury, and there's no need to be a hero in training camp, but that Khalil's very, very eager to get out there and prove that he can get it done. Um, you know, I've, that's exactly what I've seen. Him and Joey are consistently in the backfield. Um, and uh, as Brandon Staley says, he's really a very good edge against the run, and we've also seen that during camp. Hey, Lindsay, for the Chargers, big money to Derwin James, big money to J.C. Jackson, to Joey Bosa, to Mike Williams, to Khalil Matt. There's so many guys making big, big money, but Justin Herbert's extension is coming up soon as well. Is there any concern for how this roster is constructed with that massive extension looming? <laughs> No, it's L.A., big money everywhere. This is a city where money just seems to flow everywhere you look. I don't think there's any concern. Uh, Ian, sitting down and kind of talking to a few people around the organization, like they know Justin Herbert's deal is coming up. 
they know what they're going to need to pay him, uh, what kind of talent they have. And I think they're very, I don't know if they're eager to write that check, right? <laughs> Who is um, with these kind of numbers these days? But they know what it's probably looking like, they, and it's something they've been able to plan for. Um, so I don't think right now that's a top of mind or maybe a top of concern. Lindsay, what does Justin Herbert have to work on? I mean, it feels like we are just all over this kid with how much we love him and for good reason, but he's still a young guy and has plenty to prove. So what are they focused on in camp and as they approach regular season with him this year? Yeah, you know, one of the big things that they keep talking about is just like the comfort level, how he's a lot more comfortable this year. Um, I was talking to their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, about it, and he said because of that comfort level, they've really been kind of experimenting things, right? They're willing to take more risks in training camp, see what works, see what doesn't. Uh, he says they've really been testing the limits with Justin, and, and I think that's been evident. You know, the offenses look solid through camp, but I think there's some misses where you kind of scratch your head and go, what was that? Um, probably more than likely an experiment uh, because he's obviously well-established his connection already with Austin, or excuse me, with uh, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler too, Keenan Allen and uh, Mike Williams. So I think they're really just kind of testing, like how far can they take this thing? Um, and then as far as what he's getting better at, it's just really another year um, in the system, another year in the NFL and just kind of becoming more and more comfortable. We kind of sometimes forget this kid's only going into his third season and he put up the kind of numbers he did, historic numbers the first two. So um, they would like that trend to continue. Awesome stuff, Lindsay. Appreciate the time. Looking forward to watching this team this year. Lots of good storylines, lots of expectations, and, of course, a very tough road to get to the playoffs. Thanks for your insight. Thanks, guys. Lindsay Theory. You can follow her at Lindsay with an E Theory on Twitter. Coming up, it's time for some closing arguments. We'll explain next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. All right. When we're talking sports giveaways, this is taking it too far. Jim Grigsby 9 tells us the last game the old Browns played at Municipal Stadium, people left with seats. One guy had a row of six seats and the stadium cop didn't say a word. When we asked you for memorable giveaways, I don't think I thought anyone would have a row of seats. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Marcel Louis-Jacques on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll get to another couple of your favorite childhood promotions or giveaways from sports, but I think we should put a minute on the clock. I'll start my timer for you, Marcel. All right. Uh, we'll go a minute 30. Minute 30. Uh, you have a minute 30 to uh, respond to this clip. I'll play it first before I start the timer from Mike Tannenbaum on Get Up Today on my Mac Jones could be an MVP candidate. Because he had a great year last year. He stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tom Brady, got his team to the playoffs, played well in the playoff game, and they have a great offensive line, two really good running backs, two excellent tight ends, and an underrated receiving core. They brought over Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers. They're going to be better at receiver than people think. And I do think the play-calling situation, which we made a lot out of, will work itself out, led by Matt Patricia. So when it's all said and done, Mac Jones is the second-best quarterback in the AFC East. They're going to go to the playoffs, and they're going to exceed expectations. Wow, there's a lot there. All right, these are closing arguments. I, of course, need to get my thoughts in before a lengthy vacation. I don't know when you're hosting the show again, but we're giving you one, too. So, uh, minute 30 on the clock, go. Wow, where do I even begin? Uh, how about, <laughs> first of all, Mac Jones was not good down the stretch. From weeks 13 to 18, 19th in QBR, 21st in completion percentage over expectation, 20th in touchdown to interception ratio, 24th in completion percentage, 
those aren't winning numbers. I think the Patriots won in spite of Mac Jones, not because of Mac Jones. And look, respectfully, man, you can't play great in a game where your team loses 47 to 17. Like, there's just – there's no way. There's no way. 230 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I'm not a believer. I wasn't leaving that game inspired. And as far as the weapons go, look, Devontae Parker, anytime you trade for a player from a team within your division, you kind of have to think twice about it. Like, mm-hmm. huh, why is this team willing to trade this guy to a team they play twice a year? Maybe because last season Devontae Parker ranked 135th out of 136 qualified individuals in average yards of separation as the target. 1.59 yards. You know who struggles to hit tight windows, Sarah? Mac Mm, Jones. Mac Jones. So I'm not a believer in him as a plus starter in the NFL, and I will definitely take your money if you want to bet on Mac Jones as an MVP in 2022. All right, you have six seconds. Somebody else said Matt Ryan, Dark Horse MVP. Who who got more likely? <laughs> Matt Ryan, 300 Matt Ryan, okay, wow. <laughs> wow, okay. That was excellent. You basically nailed the dismount, too. All right, I'm going to spend my uh, minute and a half closing argument on Deshaun Watson because, of course, inevitably, the decision will come once I've left for vacation. And clearly, I can't say too much without knowing the results of the final decision. We know that appeals officer Peter Harvey hadn't completed the quote-unquote expedited review two weeks after the original filing of the appeal, and we know that by reports, uh, all reports, he might be waiting on a possible settlement between the two sides. Many people will tell you that when you're doing an arbitration like this, you would prefer to have a settlement rather making a ruling yourself. Whatever does happen, I think the focus should not only be on the punishment handed down, but the specifics around it. Because too often, when we talk about these issues, we want our pint of flesh. And I understand that, right? You do have to set some sort of precedent. You do have to make a public statement with the punishment that you hand down for someone who has brought shame to a team, to a league, and has done grave damage to this many women. But... We also need to talk about prevention because recidivism in cases like this is so common that if we don't get to the root cause of Deshaun Watson's behavior, the pathology behind somebody who could go out and get a sex worker or go out to a bar and meet someone, but instead chooses to violate women by putting himself in a position where he can use his power, where he can trap them one-on-one in a room, where he could try to pay them off, whatever it is, that's a sickness that needs to be addressed. So we need to talk about prevention and therapy, not just punishment and and suspension. And we also need to truly and honestly and transparently address the coaching staff, the trainers, the massage therapists, the wives and girlfriends, everybody on that team who is now going to be forced to interact with him on a daily basis. Because that's a lot to ask of people, knowing that he has been credibly accused and a judge has ruled that he is a premeditated predator with a history of multiple sexual assaults. All of that needs to be on top of our minds, not just whether or not we think the right number of games was given to him. All right, I took a couple extra liberties with a few extra seconds. It's Bain and Fitz. Those were our closing arguments. Uh, Closing because I am leaving for a lengthy vacation. And we asked folks for some predictions, things that might be true by the time I come back and host my next show on September 5th. Don't do the math on how many days that is. Just I'm taking a little vacation. Uh, Here's what some folks said. Jared Ball thinks the Braves will be in first place in the East. We got a couple of those uh, folks trying to take some guesses at baseball standings. That's something I don't usually do. Baseball is too hard to predict. I mean, just look at how the Yankees have played since the break. But right now, you're not 
you're not going too far out of out of the way to say that the Braves are only three games back at the Mets in the NL East. We also had Dodgers trolley say the Yankees are turning it around. Interesting. Uh, maybe wants to see a little West Coast, East Coast uh, rivalry there in the Dodgers and the Yankees. Wants to see that happen. Angry Bears fan Dadman says Roquan Smith will be in uniform and on a field by September 5th somewhere. Oh, Marcel, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to take. Uh, the Bears... I understand some of the argument maybe that they're making in their heads, but they got to pay him, right? I, I would think so. I, would, I mean, who else are you paying in Chicago? Keep right, your stars, right. especially your homegrown ones. Like, I'm a big believer in growing your own talent. Draft, develop, re-sign. And you got to make a, a point to other players that you're going to get validated for your play if you stick around and that you're loyal to those guys. Also, he's young enough that even if you're not going to be good now – you will have years where it matters that you have him on your team. So I think they got to pay him. A&B Pick says Jimmy G gets traded. Interesting. It's about two weeks. So if there would need to be some sort of injury or something, and I'm not sure if the Niners haven't put themselves in a really tough situation here where they need to get rid of him, but they're going to have to wait a little while longer. I don't know if that will be solved by September 5th. I, I don't I don't either. Again, it, it kind of seems like it, it's got to be the perfect scenario has to come up and that perfect scenario as grave as it sounds is probably an injury at yeah. this point so I, I i don't know if that's resolved i would be i mean i i i would love to see your fit you almost have to live stream your reaction when you catch up on all this sports news because i think I that know. would be the most shocking <laughs> I know. one i'm gonna have to be just every once in a while at night in in europe just checking in on the headlines sending myself links to read on my flight home because there's going to be Guys winning quarterback jobs. There's going to be probably maybe some firings, maybe a WNBA playoff upset, maybe some baseball teams swooning down the stretch. I mean, there's going to be a lot happening while I'm gone. And thankfully, I do get home a couple days before the first regular season and uh, NFL game. So I'll uh, have a little time to catch myself up before the, that really gets underway. Uh, we also asked folks about, uh, as the Chicago Sky uh, are kicking off their campaign to defend their title, that's uh, I believe they are just hitting the half now uh, with New York up three points, 48 to 45 in this opening round game. Uh, there was a Chicago sports blog that posted an old button of Michael Jordan from McDonald's that they gave out that said, it'd be sweet to repeat. And they photoshopped Candace Parker on and said McDonald's should bring it back for the sky as they look to defend their title. It had us asking you some of the best giveaways or promotions from your childhood maybe ones you even still have maggie Hendricks was one of several who said the dennis rodman hair changing color cups so here in chicago during the 90s there were any number of amazing bulls giveaways but one of them once you put the cold liquid in the cup and it got past dennis's hair his hair color would change that was a classic that's incredible Incre yeah. the 90s were just a, a, a simpler time Oh, and the 90s the Bulls, there were things. so many characters, there were so many good things to build off of there. Uh, Jane Burns said McDonald's had Brewer's placemats back in the day. I could absolutely see that, uh, putting those out uh, with your 80s and 90s favorites. Uh, J83 out, McDonald's Dream Team Cups, we all had those. Like, you had to have had those too, Marcel. McDonald's Dream Team Cups? The Dream Team Cups. I don't think... I don't think we had those, but the what? my mom's boyfriend when I was growing up, or one of them was, uh, she he worked for McDonald's, and so he would always get us the like, he would get us like the Hercules plates or like the Little Mermaid. Oh right, figurine. the Disney stuff. So like we yeah, got yeah. The, like the good good stuff, but I don't think it was ever 
I don't think it was ever sports related. Now that I because there was there was a set and it was each of the main superstars from the Dream Team with sort of like this blurry like uh, '80s graphic-y background, and they're all in their in their USA jerseys. Those were like the collectible kind that you went back hoping you would get a different one every time. Uh, also, the Dodgers had a Vin Scully microphone uh, giveaway. That's a good one. Uh, Parker Malloy still has a button. From Bulls-Knicks, 94, final regular season game at the Old Barn. The Bulls lost, uh, but they beat the Knicks a month later with the Ewing dunk in the final playoff game there. And there's a button that has the date and the, and the teams matched up and everything for the last game in Chicago Stadium. That's pretty rad. Um, this one is hilarious. JT Barabas. The Bills handed these out in 1982. They sounded like maracas when you shake them. And the PA announcer would tell everyone to shake their weenies. Yep, this is something called the whammy weenie. It looks like the the sticks that you hit together in NBA games, uh, but unfortunately it's called the whammy weenie. I'm not sure why the photo sent to me has it against a measuring tape. We'll leave that for another time. Enjoy the vacation while I'm gone. Freddie and Fitzsimmons are going to talk to my travel planner next. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.